Hello, 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 friends, and welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where we reclaim the super shiny lights that burn in each of us. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in the power of showing up as our flossom selves, even and especially, my friends, when it comes to working through our hard stuff. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. One of the best things about She Finds Joy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other women who are creating more joy in their lives, just like you. You can find us at kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Here we go. everyone. I am super excited to do an interview with my friend and colleague and inspiration, uh, Susan Hyatt. (laughs) She is a master certified life and business coach. And what's really awesome is she's based in Evansville, Indiana, which is crazy. It's a one hour from me. (laughs) And um, she specializes in helping women get more of whatever they want, whether that's money, or more media recognition, more pleasure, holla, holla, holla there, more passion or more time to pursue their meaningful goals. Now, here's the thing that's really cool about Susan. She is the author, a published one at that, yes, 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 of two books. One is called Create Your Own Luck, and her most recent one is Bear. And Susan's work has been featured in places like the Oprah Magazine, Women's World, Cosmopolitan, and the Huffington Post. And she is super passionate about her bear process, which is her trademark system for upgrading your mental and physical health and building more energy and confidence and really, really creating the life that you want. And she mirrors that day in and day out for women. And she really does that for me as well. She is one of those people that I'm not going to lie. Susan, you kind of, um, there are times when I'm talking to you and, or watching you on social media and like, I will start to get hives, right? Like it feels like I'm getting hives all over my body because it's like, oh my gosh, she's doing like such crazy things. And she has all this national recognition and she's just continues to move on up. And so then I I start to feel like, oh, I'm not where I need to be. Oh, right. Like, so I have two thoughts about you. One is like, sometimes I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of like, ah, dang that girl. And then that the opposite is shit. You like raise the ceiling for me on what I think is possible for my life, that you are one of the people that continue to do that for me. Oh, thank you so much. Well, listen, I, I mean, I can totally relate. I think all of us can scroll social media and our brains all operate the same way. Like we can see something and compare and despair a little bit. And it's really, I believe, just your higher self tapping you on the shoulder and going, hey, 
this is possible for you. Like some version of it is possible for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm super just thankful that you agreed to do this session for my people because this is a topic that I can't wait to dive deep with you. I know that you have such extensive research and study that you've done behind some of what we're going to talk about. But before we go in there, um, I want you just to kind of tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal life and your professional life kind of beyond the bio that I just read, but like, what are you most excited about in Susan Hyatt world right now? Uh, thanks for asking. So I have been a life coach now for 12 and a half years and I'm also a wife. I've been married to Scott for 26 years. I call him lovingly the silver fox and I have two kids who are 21 and 19. They're both in college. So I am like you, Kim, an empty nester. And uh, yeah, like I definitely uh, love my kids, um, but I am loving this new phase of life. So what I'm really excited about is that I'm in my prime now and we are creating new things within my company and it's an exciting time. And so I'm, I'm really here for it. And I, one of the things that kind of drives me crazy, I'm 46, is when I hear women say my age, that they're, they're now old or, you know, oh, to be young again. And I'm just like, listen, vitality is available right now, today, in this moment. And so I'm really out to smash glass ceilings, dispel myths about age and femininity. And I'm just really happy to be alive right now. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I had a ton of anxiety about becoming an empty nester. And, but I do believe that one of the things that probably helps both of us is we have a lot of different things in our life that we're passionate about. I mean, yes, our kids played a big role in that. Um, we're lucky enough to have partners in life that kind of, you know, I always say that Scott Strobel, he, he chases my dreams with me and yeah. I feel really lucky you have that too with uh, the silver fox. I mean, I think I just saw a picture posted on your social media of the two of you in front of maybe one of your buildings that you're actually purchasing for this agency that you're creating, right? Yeah. Well, so that's a picture in front of a shopping center that we own um, and we've really created wealth over the past 20 something years through commercial real estate, which is what Scott, my Scott does for a living. And it was a post really about how, yeah, like I've always operated this business from this desk in my home office. And now we are building a building, a three-story building, uh, downtown Evansville, Indiana, um, with our empty nest or penthouse on the top level, but my company on the ground level. And I'm really excited to, I never thought I would have an office outside of my home. I've always loved operating this company from home. And I started an, a marketing agency as, as a division of my company. And I really want to have a place for clients to come. Uh, so yeah. never say never. No doubt. I know. Cause you know, I'm flashing back to, and this is going to lead me right into my next question, but I'm flashing back. I don't think I'll ever forget this picture that you posted and sometimes you still bring it up. <laughs> I mean, there's this picture of you where you look completely worn out. You're ashen in the face. You're like a, you're like a realtor. I think you were yeah, a, a realtor. A residential realtor. Yep. Yeah. So I want you to like, take me and my audience way back 
to before you were this life coach, before you owned this agency, before you started to build wealth. And I want to know who Susan Hyatt was then. And this is so important because we forget how far we've come. And so do the people who, the women that we work with. I know this morning myself, one of the ladies in one of my groups was talking about how we're entering a whole new decade. And she challenged us to go back to 2010 and think about just in our business, what we've done. Guess what? In 2010, I was in a fourth grade classroom. I was still a teacher, Wow. you know? And, and, and so there's this like whole thing that happened to me where now I operate two businesses. So I want you to take us back. Let's understand who that Susan Hyatt was then so that we all understand that what you have created for your life or a version of that is possible for us. So we would go back probably 13 and a half years ago to get the full picture. Cause at 13 years ago, I was kind of already on the path to making things better. But 13 and a half years ago, I was 35 to 40 pounds heavier than I am now. And that was completely a result of, I was a professional couch potato. You couldn't get me to exercise. I would, I refused to. I was eating fast food three times a day, depleted physically, energetically. I was selling a lot of houses and it was a good example of you can be really good at something and that's not what you're supposed to be doing. So I was great at selling houses because I really did care about people. And the part of that that I loved was giving people what they want, um, finding them the right home. But everything else, like negotiating with other agents and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that would go on, just wore me out. And I was in the wrong career. I was not taking care of myself. I was a 100% people pleaser. I had, at that point in time, my kids were six and eight. And my eight-year-old Ryan was like the school principal had me on speed dial. <laughs> um, you know, like he would have been the fourth grader in your classroom that was completely disrupting the whole class and constantly booted out of class. And so I had this little, this little kid who was real out of the box. No one seemed to know how to educate him or what the right structure could be for him. I was having my own tantrums internally and really questioning everything like I did. And I'm sure people watching this, there are some women that can identify that, oh, I checked all the boxes. I did everything I was told to do. You know, I was a good girl and I went to college and I got a degree and I worked hard and I got married and I had two kids and I went to church on Sunday. Check, check, check. Right. Why do I feel like this? And I went on a mission to figure it out. And, and I promise, I made a promise on my knees that if I figured my stuff out, I would help other women do the same thing. And so I, every day, that's what keeps me showing up is that like, there are women out there, how you were in the fetal position under their desks that don't know that more is available and that they can change. Yes. I think that is so true. And such a big component of that is surrounding yourself with other women who I say are playing in the arena of bigness. Ah, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because 
we just don't know. I mean, we live in Southern Indiana and so there, there's some great benefits to that, but there's also some limitations to not understanding just how big the world is and what other women are doing. And so when I got myself in other masterminds, you know, um, and other programs and yeah. courses, I mean, I took your course a few oh, right. Retreat yourself. Yeah, retreat yourself. Exactly. But it's like, that is what continues to truly level up in my life. And I think your story, we all have a story, but what I love about us is we also know our why. Why do we keep showing up? Because we don't want anybody else to suffer for as long as we suffered and to not know that that unlimited potential is inside of them, right? I mean, I tell people all of the time, I am the, the girl who stood in her sophomore speech class and I shook so badly that I, I couldn't even read my index cards to give a speech. I mean, there is no person in that class that would look at Kim Sablehouse and be like, oh yeah, like her full-time career is going to be traveling the country and being on a stage with a couple thousand people in the crowd. They'd be like, that girl, she can't even talk to 28 people. She can't even read her note card. So I do- to date her. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, there is, I think, um, all of this potential that is like just under layers and layers of like what you said, boxes to check, things to do, the path to follow. And I mean, for you, I guess it's sort of what we teach, but you had to go get your insides right, mm -hmm. right? Like you had to work on your shit on the inside. Yeah. And it was, and it was a lot of work and it, and it takes willingness to be vulnerable and to, you know, I, I had to get, for me, it had to get bad enough that I was like, okay, I don't care what, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard freaking work. I mean, that's what I tell people all the time. Like this is work and it's painful and it's hard and you have to keep showing up for yourself. And so it's, it's not this easy route to get to where you are. Um, right. You do have to be willing to do the work. So, okay, let me take you then to like your mission, which I know your mission is that you really truly are on this like massive crusade to really help women and free them up to get more of everything in their life. You help women attain more money and more wealth. You help them figure out, you know, how to really chase that thing that they're passionate about. And of course, you know, pleasure, which is one of my favorite words, is a big part of the work that you do. So can you just explain, I know you, you talked about why you do it, but like, why, why is this so important to you as far as, you know, are you seeing that there's a real lack of this for women? Yeah. So I'm out to smash so many myths. And one of the myths is that you just need more willpower. Like, oh, you know, I remember laying on my couch and being like, I just don't have what it takes. I don't have the necessary willpower to get off my butt and create a career that I love or a body that I love. And what's really required for women is the opposite. Women are pleasure deprived. And so all of you watching, think about how much willpower you exude on a daily basis to do what you do. We've got willpower in spades. So it's really about women tend to put themselves on the back burner 
and serve everybody else, their, their jobs, their communities, their families, and then whatever's left over, then, then you can have some fun or then you can take a class or go to Zumba or whatever it might be. And so I actually help women do the opposite and put themselves on the front burner because when mama gets a front burner, everybody gets a front burner. It's not, you know, we tend to think in such scarcity mindset that, oh, well, if I do what I want to do, then, then my family gets less or my job gets less and I can't do that. And we're wired for pleasure from head to toe. It is scientifically proven that when you give your body pleasure, everything else benefits, you know, mood, metabolism, hormones, energy. And so the very thing that we deny ourselves of is the very thing that's required for you to get what you want. Yeah. And don't you think this is generations and generations of women before us who were told this is how you will operate. And so like we have some of that, I think, in our kind of cellular makeup yet. And yeah. so the women I work with struggle so much. It's this whole self-love, self-care. I'm not allowed to come first. Maybe once the kids are grown, oh yeah, Kim and Susan, that's great. You're empty nesters. You can, you can bring pleasure into your life. But like you and I, we 100% didn't wait until our kids were gone to start bringing pleasure. And so I want you to talk about that a little bit. Like what does pleasure look like in your life and what has it looked like even when you were raising children and you started to truly shift things in your life, you know? Well, what's interesting is that, yeah, I started when my kids were about six and eight years old. And one of the memories I have that really jerked me into reality was there are different categories for pleasure, right? So there's, yes, there's physical pleasure and intimacy, but there's intellectual stimulation, there's spiritual pleasure, there's, there's many ways to, to get pleasure. And typically women are starving in all of those areas, but there's usually one or two that are primary. But I remember when I was in my people pleasing mode and my daughter was in the second grade and she was at a new school and I signed up for everything. I was the PTA vice president and I was the, um, I started a Girl Scout troop because her school didn't have a Girl Scout troop. And I was the cookie mom on top of being the troop leader. And I remember it was like a cold winter night. It was already dark, like six o'clock. And I was loading all the craft supplies in the back of my giant SUV to take her to the, to the troop meeting. And I was kind of like brush, rushy, rushy and like get in the car. And I remember I'm driving, you know, speeding because we were going to be late. And I looked in the rearview mirror and she was buckled into her seat and she looked at me in the mirror and she was like, mom, why are we doing this if neither one of us is having any fun? And I remember I was like, oh my God, like I'm knocking myself out to have fun, right? And to prove that I love her and that I'm doing this for her. And we had this really great conversation on the ride home about like, okay, if we weren't doing this, what would we do for fun together? And we both decided, like, we didn't want to do that. Like, we could stay home and play a game or watch a movie or do something else. But I ended up in that moment realizing how simple reward and pleasure can be. And we, we tend to make it into this big deal. And women say, right, just what you're saying, like, oh, easy for you to say. You have the time, the money, whatever. Here's the great news is that 
we're trained to think that pleasure is consumable. Like, oh, I'm going to go spend $100 on this massage and that's pleasure. Well, sure. Yeah, I enjoy a massage. But what I try to teach women to do is on a daily basis, in small ways and in big ways, what are simple pleasures, things that you can infuse into your routine that help you experience pleasure that don't cost a dime? You know, so meditating for five minutes or going for a walk around your block or turning on some music in between client calls or playing with your animals. I love seeing how much pleasure you get, for example, Kim, from George, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. And George brings me so much pleasure. It's so much pleasure to like look at his funny pictures and see what George did today. Yes. Right? So I think we overthink it. We also, as in our culture, as Americans, think that we have to consume it, either eat it, drink it, or pay for it. And there's so many different kinds of pleasure that yes. can fill us up. And guess what? Like, you're born wired for it. Therefore, you don't have to do anything or prove any worthiness to experience it. Yes. You're, you're making me laugh because I'm thinking of two things. I have a friend. She's my age. So she's 45. And um, she has a little first grader. And so the thing to do for the first grader's birthday party last week was like, oh, let's go and, and we're going to go to this craft pottery place and the kids are going to paint because like that's the end thing to do. And she called me the next day and she said, Kim, like Lindsay, she freaking hates to paint. She was done with hers in 30 seconds and then it broke on the way home and she was happy about it. <laughs> Yes. Right. Or, you know, like, I mean, I'm thinking about how we do get told that there's one way to mother or to show up and be a mom. And I had an experience like that Spencer's um, senior year. So I like you, you know, you go through the elementary school, you come out like you're going to be this really great hands-on volunteer mom. You want to make sure that you can go to bed each night and feel like you definitely would rank up there as one of the trophy moms. And you're doing all this stuff. And, and like some moms really like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, but I no longer feel bad that I hate all that shit. I just, I am not that type of person. And so when Spencer made it to middle school, I was like, oh, you know, like finally we don't have all these like bake sales and, you know, parties and all of these meetings and PTA. And then, and then I started getting anxiety because when they become juniors, the junior parents are responsible for the prom. Right. And so I got asked, right? Like, oh, will you be on this? Well, hell, I'm like, I got to go out here strong. Like I've done it. I can't like fail now that he's in high school. So I volunteer and I'm going to tell you, it was so painful like I hated it. We would go to these meetings. I mean, personally, I felt like they were, ugh. anywho, I just sucked it up and did it. Cause my God, I was going to go out with my crown on my head. And I did right by my boy who, by the way, was just like, I don't want you involved in this after prom stuff at all, mom. I don't even yeah, want to Please don't show up. Right. Yeah, please don't show up. So then come senior year, we get this email from the junior parents saying we don't have enough volunteers. And so we're reaching out to the senior parents. Would you be willing to help? with the after prom. And so my first thought was, oh shit, like what am I gonna do? I don't wanna go work till four in the morning at the after prom. So I call, I do what all women do. I call up my friend Trish, cause surely Trish said no. You know, she did this last year too. So like if Trish said no, I can for sure say no and not even feel guilt. So I call up Trish and I'm like, Trish, did you get that email? You're, you're not gonna do that, are you? And she's like, yeah, I told him I would. And I was like, oh. 
And so like, I just kept it in my head. And then I went back to my, I have this saying that is like, every time you're a yes to something you don't want to do, you're a no to something you really want to do. So if I'm a yes to working till four in the morning, I'm a no to a date night with my husband that Saturday night. Right. If I'm a yes to doing that, I'm a no to the amount of sleep I need so that I can get on the stage the next week and do what I need to do. And so I literally had to coach myself and I was like, uh-uh, I am not doing it. Like, why? Because nope. that is not, I'm, like, sometimes we sacrifice ourselves and do things we don't want to do. But like, I really chose pleasure in that moment. And the pleasure was I spent an evening not having to worry about the sun with my husband, you know? Yep. And so when you're talking about this idea of, adding more pleasure. I, I want you to help me understand why that's related to me getting my best body or losing the weight or, you know, starting to like, why, what's the connection between pleasure and getting fit pleasure and starting to eat healthy? Because this is what we struggle with, right? Like we just, we can't make ourselves go to the gym. I mean, I don't have this problem. That's why I'm reaching out to you. I never laid on the couch for months on end, just because the way I'm genetically wired, but you did. So you are an authority to talk on this. Tell us about that. Well, so what's interesting is I just, I'll tell you a quick story that illustrates it. So right now I have a brand new crop of bear coaches I'm training. And so we had our third class and at the top of every class call, we talk about their homework and like, do you have anything to report or any questions or whatever? And so the bear process, week one is something called environmental detox. Week two is on pleasure. So what we're talking about right now. And so one of the participants said, I realized something really weird. So this is week three. And she said, okay, so when you started talking about pleasure, I was like rolling my eyes, like, well, how is this going to do anything? Oh my God. And she said, so, <laughs> but... I did the homework and what I realized when I was preparing for class today is that my nightly two glasses of Pinot Noir, I haven't been, not consciously, she said, I didn't have the thought like, I'm going to stop drinking a couple of glasses of wine each night. It naturally happened because I was having so much fun doing other things that was part of my pleasure homework. And she said, now, our focus in bear isn't weight loss, although that tends to be a natural byproduct of it if if your body has some weight to lose um, or release. And she was like, I think I'm down five pounds. So she's like, I'm sleeping better. I'm waking up with more energy and I've lost some weight all by just having some fun. And I think... I think the way that it's related is there's something called the pleasure principle, which um, tons of research has been on. And it's scientifically proven that our body is wired for pleasure and that when the human body is denied pleasure, lots of things go wonky. So mood issues, weight gain, energy issues, hormone imbalances, and slowed down metabolism. So I always say everything that you thought you were going to get from a diet, you actually get, it's scientifically proven from pleasure. So when you allow yourself to experience what you were born into the world to experience, your hormones, 
tend to level out, your metabolism revs up, your energy soars. And so am I suggesting that if you go sit and pet George for five minutes, you're going to lose five pounds? No. But what I'm saying is that if you make it a consistent, concerted effort, that your needs are a priority and you look at all the different categories of pleasure. So physical touch and intimacy, um, sweat, you know, so exercise, uh, spiritual pleasure. So having a connection to either God, universe, your higher self, and all the other categories of pleasure, if you take a look at what's lacking and you start to make consistent effort towards that, then all of a sudden it's, you know, a diet is not necessary. In fact, a diet gets in the very way of what you're trying to accomplish. And I also proudly make the claim that when I can help women take their focus off of deprivation and take their focus off of counting calories and weighing their food and weighing themselves, if you take that mental capacity and all that energy that you spend on a diet and you put that towards expanding your life, that's when you make more money and that's when miracles happen. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. I know as part of one of the modules, I give the research that actually they tracked um, a group of women who went on diets and they tracked them, their levels of happiness before, and then their, their left, they split them to like three categories. So there were the women who stayed the same three years and five years later maintained. There were the ladies who um, lost weight. And then there were the ladies who even gained weight from being on the diet. And right. what was interesting, Susan, is that even the ones who lost weight and kept the weight off three years and five years later were actually more depressed because how the hell can you be happy when you're restricting yourself so much, right? And so that's what you're talking about is like when we, like as soon as you tell Kim Strobel she cannot have the chocolate cake, I swear the chemicals in my brain rev up and they want it more than ever. That's and all I all you want, yep. Yeah, and it's scientifically based, right? And so I, I want to I know some of your stats. I was reading, you know, I read your book and you had some amazing stats about the diet industry because I'm just going to tell you, I know so many women who are like, I mean, you know, and I'm guilty of it. Like I'm going to do the Advocare cleanse and get myself all cleansed out so I can start eating healthy or I'm not going to do carbs or I'm, I'm starting... Tell me what the research is about this because that blew my damn mind. Which stat that 95% of diets fail? Yes. And the 5% that succeed, they actually can't attribute the, the weight loss to the actual diet. Like it is proven that 95% of diets fail and that it's not sustainable. By the time a woman is my age, she's dieted over 30 years of her life on average, and she's attempted to diet over 60 times. And that it and the average age that a girl starts to diet is eight years old. Oh my. So if that doesn't shake everybody awake, I don't know what will. So when you look at your beautiful child who's eight years old. Are you going to look at that young girl and wish for her that you will yo-yo diet now for 30 years by the time you're 46? And when you look at the lifespan of a woman, right? Like 
it is so much lost potential capacity, earning power, joy, that if, if we can turn that, which is what I'm in, on a mission to do, towards pleasure, self-care, expanding your life instead of shrinking your gene size, that kind of stuff takes care of itself. But it, it is, well, and we could also get into the fact that the actual first diet, who likes graham crackers? The creator of the graham cracker was a Presbyterian minister. And in the 1840s, he created the first diet in the United States for women for moral um, control. So he believed that a woman should eat his version of bread, which was the original graham cracker, bread, uh, water and vegetables. And he did so because it was believed that if a woman had too much protein and too much sugar and energy, that she was dangerous and a problem. What? It, this is facts. This isn't Susan Hyatt on her feminist rant. This is historically proven that in the United States, the first diet was created for moral control. So, so we could tame that woman down and yeah. keep her in her place and not give her too much power. Because if she, if she gets what she really needs, then everything else in her life starts to blow up, which causes a man problems. Yeah, right. So when you look at the origin of the first diet in our country, and I say, when, what, who do you think benefits if you're distracted by a diet? Come on, come on, ladies. It's time to stop distracting yourself and dulling your shine and your energy and take that power back so that you can create what it is you were meant to create in this world, which is not just flat abs. Hello. Yes. Yeah. You know, I did a really cool session with Jamila Hume on, um, on fitness and she was discussing, right? How we like pick out what is wrong with our body. And then we put all of our focus there and like, yes, we want strong fit bodies. We want to feel good in our bodies. We want to feel energetic and healthy and happy, but are we also not just more than our bodies? Like right. more than a set of abs, right? Come on. Right. And, and listen, I, I love to move my body. I love to work out. I love to wear leather pants. Um, right. I'm not saying that it, any of us, cause we, none of us escape diet culture. We're all raised in this culture. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to appear a certain way. What is wrong is hanging your worth on how good you are at eating a certain way or moving your body a certain way. It, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And when people say like, oh, well, it works. Like I did the latest, whatever, intermittent fasting and it works. Okay. For how long? And you don't get any awards because you're great at starving your body during certain hours of the day. Shut up. Get out of my face with that. <laughs> I hear you. Cause that's one of the new big terms too. I've been hearing. Okay. I want to back up a minute. One of the things that I, when you're talking about this eight-year-old young girl and the amount of dieting she will do, one of the things I think that we need to be really careful of is as mothers, how does your daughter see you mm -hmm. treating her body? How does your daughter see the amount of self-love that you're giving? The talk, like one of the things I don't think we understand that is so detrimental is when a mother talks about how awful she looks or 
constantly focuses on her body and that she needs to lose weight or puts herself down or the daughter who watches mm -hmm. all of this happen. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the things that really caused me to go all in on this in my business was that when my daughter was 10 years old, she has a September birthday. So she's always been one of the oldest in her class. So all of her classmates were nine, but she was 10. And she came home, she was in the fourth grade. So you were a fourth grade teacher. She came home from school one day. I was unpacking the kids' lunch boxes in the kitchen. And she said, hey, mom, every girl at the cafeteria table today made a pact to not eat her lunch and go on a diet together. And she was like, that's messed up, right? And I just, like, all the blood just kind of drained out of me. And I was just like, yeah, that's messed up. And I, she had already heard a lot of this out of me at this point, but I was trying to make a decision in my business whether or not to just focus on business coaching or this. And I was like, okay, sign taken, right? And I'm looking at this little fourth grader. How is it possible that these girls, right, are at such a young age talking about collaborating on a diet? Well, because they hear it from their older sisters, their moms, their grandmas, and TV shows, culture at large. And so any of you watching, if you are recognizing within yourself, like, uh-oh, like we were just in the mall in a dressing room and I was belittling how I looked, I want you to forgive yourself. Like this isn't like shame on you, a shame on you moment. Because like I said before, all of us are born into this world where we hear these expectations. We're not born thinking. Toddlers aren't walking around um, in diapers going, her butt looks big or, oh my gosh, I have cellulite. You know, that's just not in our programming. We think we're amazing until we're told otherwise. Mm -hmm. However, once you become awake to it, I want to challenge everyone to really think about the impact that you have on girls and women around you. And that if you work on just paying attention to how am I thinking about myself and how am I talking about my body and am I obsessing about calories or fat grams or intermittent fasting or paleo or keto or whatever it might be, whatever the new trend is, Am I jumping on that bandwagon and talking about it in front of other women and girls to the point that I could really be causing some damage here? And I also want to offer something little that you can do, which is start training yourself to compliment other women and girls on something other than just their appearance. Mm -hmm. And so, right. So while it's great to say like, and I do still say it, like you look beautiful today, I also make sure that I'm complimenting girls and women on their creativity, their intellect, their empathy, kindness, um, resourcefulness. There are so many other things you can compliment girls and women on, but we're so conditioned to hang everything on the external. And so something that's free that everyone can start practicing is especially if you have young girls, making sure that she understands that she is more than how she looks. Yes. That reminds me so much of this concept that I teach in education, but we also teach it in the corporate world. And it's the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And so a fixed mindset 
is where you believe your intelligence, your talents, your, your looks, your skills, that you know, you, you're either dealt a great hand with those or you're not. And if you're not, then you're less valuable of a human being. And so one of the things that we have to really caution parents on is that when you constantly compliment a child on their intelligence, you know, or their skill or their athleticism or their talent or their physical look, then they begin to associate their worth and their value by those things. Instead of, like you said, this concentration on, are you resourceful? Are you creative? Are you perseverant? What do you do when you handle a challenge? Do you, do you put, you know, jump back up and try again? And so what happens is we have so many of us if we've been praised for those things, eventually we're not going to be the smartest kid or we're not going to be the fastest runner. We're not going to be the best basketball player or we're not going to be the prettiest girl. And so do I know that I have value when I lose some of those external traits? And so I know that parents constantly want to stroke their children and tell them how wonderful and how beautiful they are. And I am guilty of it too. But what I'm more interested in is how do you handle yourself when you encounter an obstacle or a difficult situation? Or when you, when you have to solve a problem, do you come up with multiple ways? And so you're right. We can still compliment those things, but we have to be complimenting those other things even more. I, uh, I love that differentiation. And I, and I think it's so true. You know, I'm thinking about my own daughter as you're talking about that and how she was always praised in grade school and middle school for how smart she was. And then she went to a high school here locally, Signature School, which is um, all the smarty pants. And she wasn't the smartest kid in school. And how interesting that was for her to be like, wow, like, okay, everybody here is this smart. And then now that she's in college, she's the smart one again um, at where she attends college. And how, how funny it is to her to notice her ego. Yes. Uh, yes. Situations. And, and I do think to your point, yes, move away from complimenting people on just their, um, how they appear. But, yeah. but it, I think it's interesting to really challenge like, Hey, I saw, I saw how kind you were to the checkout teller or right. I saw how generous you were with your friend, you know, complimenting those kinds of things I think is super important. Yeah. I know um, one of the things that Carol Dweck talks about since we're going there for a minute is that we actually train children to become slaves of praise, mm -hmm. right? So like one of the things that we worked on with our son was like, you know, who you are is way more valuable than how you perform. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest, Susan, I have some of those issues, right? Like, am I a good person at the end of the day? Well, it kind of depends if I like you know, kicked ass on work and, and did all these amazing things? Or did I lay around on the couch and veg out on Outlander because I, you know what I mean? And so right. I know too, that my self-worth at the end of the day does need to be based on more than what I produced or how I showed up for this person or that person or my kids. But kind of going back then too, to this idea of so I, I, wanna, I love this concept. I could talk for an hour just on it. Because I tell you, I think our parents need to be educated. I had to do my own education on it and realized all the things I was doing that 
were not helping my kid in the way that I wanted him to be able to believe in himself. You know, I thought I was doing great by constantly telling him what a great mathematician he was because God blessed him with these amazing brains and he needs to be thankful for it. And then as soon as he struggled in math in one of those AP classes, the kid thought he was the stupidest thing ever, you know? But bringing us back around to this idea of pleasure, I am just really loving what you're reiterating, which is when you take all of your energy that you spend on dieting and begrading yourself and all of this energy, and then you shift it over to those higher vibrational things where you're experiencing pleasure, you're making yourself a priority, you're doing self-care, that Every outcome truly changes when you start. I I mean, I feel like this is a self-love issue. Like when Kim Strobel started learning herself, she took the leap of faith and blew up a business. She, when, when she started, you know, not confining to who everybody else thought she needed to be, I, I feel like everything, like my income increased by 10 times my everything, my relationship with my husband even changed. And so I do think that when we learn to love ourselves and put ourselves first, that all these other outcomes begin to change. But you also said something else, which is, hey, you know, don't think you can go stroke your dog for five minutes on the head or go get a massage once a week for five weeks and then wonder why you haven't lost weight. Like, Like it's these like tiny, I did a whole Facebook live in my group yesterday about this because what happens is we want to see big, massive results quickly. And in fact, James Clear says that if you just get 1% better every day, Susan, 1% better, 1% better that by the end of the, an entire year, you will be 37 times better. Yeah. I love that book. Atomic Atomic Habits, right? And so like- That's the whole thing though, is, you know, women want to go right out and be like, this isn't working. Like I'm adding pleasure to my life and nothing's shifting. I mean, this takes time, patience, perseverance. You said something like repetitively doing this over and over for yourself. Totally. And, and the other thing is, is it's, everybody's in such a hurry. And that, that's the other part of it is that everyone's in such a hurry for immediate gratification I know I was, which is why I would just go through the fast food drive-through three times a day. And when you start to really look at the impact you really want to have on your life and the things that you really want to create, when you start cutting out things that aren't serving you, when you start deciding, no, I'm not going to be the cookie mom again for Girl Scouts because... I'm doing this for the wrong reasons. (laughs) Um, You know, no, I'm not going to gossip around the water cooler today. I'm actually going to get to work on making positive change in my life. When you start cutting out things that aren't serving you, including dieting, then all of a sudden you have more energy and capacity to create that 1% difference every day. And and I always say like, hey, hey, listen, you, you don't get mad. Like you aren't entitled to the results of somebody else if you've not done your work. So, right? Like there's this sense of entitlement. Like you don't, you don't deserve her bank account. You don't deserve, you know, that relationship. You don't deserve whatever, unless you're willing to look at yourself and do the work. And that is where 
the rubber hits the road. I absolutely love that. So, okay. If, if we're going to come up with three, give me three little things. Let's just kind of summarize here. Give me three things that you think women can start doing to open up their life in a really big way. What are three things? And some of them we've already talked about, but I just kind of want you to reiterate them. Oh my gosh. So, so many things. So, um, devoting yourself to pleasure is one of them. Um, creating capacity for change is another one. And, and I want to give them like a couple little turtle stuffy things that they yeah, can. Let's talk. What does that mean? Even create so that capacity one, for change, right? So that 1% change per day that you mentioned can happen if you start eliminating things from your environment, things coming at all through all your senses on a daily basis. So one thing you can do is go on social media and clean up your news feeds. So go unfollow or snooze all those negative people that drain you. You don't need to be looking at that, right? Your uncle who is on political rants every day that you don't agree with, go snooze him for 30 days, right? Anything in your, that you're reading with your eyeballs on social media that is not pleasing to you, out of your space. I guarantee you, you're going to feel 1% better <laughs> if you do that. All right. Number two is conversations, right? Eavesdrop on conversations. What are you tolerating? Who are you allowing in your energy space? right? So the person in the cubicle next to you or the classroom next to you or your neighbor that wants to gossip and tear down other women. Nope. We are changing that conversation, right? One percent are one percent better. And then one thing that I want to challenge everyone to do, if you aren't currently moving your body at least three times a week, and by moving your body, that could be dancing in your living room. But I'm telling you what, this God pod was created to move. And if you aren't moving it, emotion and guidance is getting stuck. Mm. And when emotion and guidance gets stuck, that creates problems and havoc. So those are three little things I'm challenging everyone who's watching to do. If you do that consistently, yes, your entire life will change. 100%. I, I agree. I 100% agree. We do not understand how these, these kind of simple tasks change every single outcome in our life. Like there's this massive ripple effect and it kind of begins to seep out into all of these other areas. And so I love that. I think you are so right. If we, we, we're just not understanding this kind of momentum and this ripple effect that begins to happen when, when we choose to do those things and to give more to ourselves. So I think that's amazing advice. And it's just been really helpful for you to kind of help my people truly understand that whole idea of when you do these things, it just frees up your mental capacity to show up in your life in other ways that you really want to. Right, right. Oh now all of a sudden you have time for your ideas and your passions and for people who matter to you. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, you and I could like spend the rest of the day talking <laughs> for yeah. sure. We know this about one of another, but, um, so as you know, I really help women increase their happiness levels and seek more joy in their life. And so I want to know, Susan, what are you currently doing to show up as a seeker and lover of joy in your life? 
Oh my God. Um, so many things like tomorrow I'm hopping on a plane to go to Chicago to meet with my newly hired COO to map out 2020. That brings me so much joy because we have so many good things planned, but really the primary way is just enjoying my husband and empty nesterhood and like really reveling in that. I love that. I love that. So for people who are interested in your programs that you offer, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because many times, you know, I, I'm one of these people that, I mean, I will forever be in some kind of program, right? Like I have my own coaching course, but I'm going to, I'm going to go over here maybe and do some spiritual work. So I, I joined Eckhart Tolle's course on the new being. And then, you know, I'm over here doing this business course. And so Let's talk for just a minute, if you don't mind, about people who work with you and what kind of programs you have to offer them. Yeah, sure. So there's a couple of different ways you can work with me. And there are some free ways too. So I have a couple of different podcasts. One is called The Bear Podcast. It's based on the book. The other is called Rich Coach Club. And it's, it's about living a rich life, but also making money. And it's for people, female entrepreneurs, really. And each of those podcasts has a free Facebook group that you can join, um, which we can provide links to. Yes. Um, the paid ways that people can work with me. So there is a group called Bear Daily, where pleasure is a focus. And, and it's a membership community where we have classes and resources and, and a community of really amazing women who are all about ditching diets and creating pleasure and joy in their lives. And then on the business front, I have a couple of different masterminds where I mentor female entrepreneurs and help them make more money. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I spend a whole weekend with you learning how to um, make more money and um, it's just exciting. So I, I do want to back up a minute because I really want people to understand your bear book. I see it there in the background. Oh, right. This is my publisher sent me this. <laughs> yeah, let's so, let's show that because I think a lot of my people would be very, I, I loved reading it. Yeah. That's and, what the cover looks like. And it's basically a book that has my seven step process in it. Okay. So this is, the, that's right. The seven step process. I loved that because one of the things you talked about is that whole idea of getting negative people kind of out of your life. Um, That's so, one. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. First of all, I love that community you talk about because I do think we need our hand held to incorporate more self-love and pleasure in our life. So that's a great place. Again, tell, tell them where they can find that community or... So we'll send you the link. There's, um, so the group is called Bear Daily and you could go to the website, which is letsgetbear.com. Okay. B-A-R-E. And there's information on that website about the book and the membership community and the podcast. And we, it's a seven week program, but then the membership community is available all the time. Okay. Excellent. We will definitely put all of that in the show notes and the resources for them to connect with you. I will tell you all, I, again, she is an absolute um, like I said, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes she's doing so much that like, I'm just like, is she a human being? And how is she doing all this? Um, because I mean, that's just the real talk. But then like, I, I was just telling somebody the other day, 
that like I might get, I have this funny story. So, you know, Elizabeth that was working with you and works yeah. for you. Yeah. She was sat next to me at the Mexican restaurant a few weeks ago. And she was just like, and we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this. And like, I started to, you know, and, and then like when she walked away, I told Scott, my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so far behind, you know, no, you are not, but we then but, different business models. I know. But then it's like, I go back and I'm like, oh, Oh, it's shit's hitting the ground here. Kim's trouble's going to up her game. You know what I mean? So like, it's really good in that way too. Like I'm allowed to feel some anxiety, but then I like, I transform that into, okay, let's go. Let's go. Right. So, on. It's go time. Yeah. It's go time. So thank you so much. I really appreciate all your insight and just your honesty and vulnerability and, um, giving them just these little bitty things to make big gains in their life. So thank you so much for your time, Susan. Um, oh I God, really appreciate you, you having me. It was a delight. You're welcome. Whoop, whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm super honored to share this space with you, and I hope you learned something new and helpful. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time joining the show, know that I am here every Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can go to that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash podcast that will put you in apple podcast where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review if you scroll down just a little bit you will be able to leave that five-star review and just leave me a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show it really helps me if you let me know how the show has impacted you and how you are striving for more joy in your life you might be nominated to be the joyful woman of the week also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more women unleash their happiness one daring day at a time. So please take a screenshot on your phone, share it out on social media, tag your friends, tag me at Kim Strobel Joy on Instagram or in our Facebook group, kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. I'm quick to reply and I am super eager to send you some Facebook love. It makes my heart happy to be able to connect and surround myself with other women who are all ready to do this work. So thanks for being here and I'll be back next week. Until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you know that you are enough just as you are. Here's to finding more joy.